The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, you, and a life of peace every day. I hope you can imagine that because yes, it is possible to live a life of peace every day. Yes, you deserve to live a life of peace every day. And yes, you can have it. You absolutely can. We work together on this show to bring you the guests and the topics to partner with you as you create your everyday peace day by day. This is a journey day by day. And aren't we so excited to be part of the journey? We have an incredible um, show lined up for us today. We're talking about fear, crippling fear. And I think most of us have experienced fear at some point in our life. I dare say probably at some point in our day, right? It's just one of those emotions that I think all of us can relate to. So that's our topic today. Before we jump into that, I want to tell you about a few things that are going on in the everyday peace world. The first of which is there is a opportunity to take free online courses, absolutely free at the Institute for Learning for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. That's the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. You can take free courses there. They're offering uh, a special, so you'll go on there, look around. You'll see a course by yours truly called the 2020 Clarity Course. So that that's one of many fabulous courses on there. So if you or somebody you know who's lo- looking to expand and do a little growth and development, check out that. That's a great way to, to do um, both, grow, grow and develop. And then for those of you who are looking for what is my passion, How do I find out what the thing is that jazzes me, that excites me to take the next step in life? I encourage you to check out the free seven-day challenge course that I have. And in order to get access to that, you just email me at DrayvonJames at gmail.com. So discover your free passion. What is your free passion? What is your passion? Not your free passion. Discover your passion for free. So dig into your into the inner workings of you and find out what's in there that you want to bring up to help you reach your next level of greatness. So we got those things going on in the world of everyday peace today. And we have this fabulous guest that I want to introduce you to. Her name is Cindy Dale. She is an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, and business consultant and the author of over 27 books about energy medicine, intuition, and spirituality. And in addition, she has worked with over 70,000 clients 
presented hundreds of seminars and workshops across the world, not just in America, the world. She is also a favorite teacher and healer for China, leading in-person and online course classes. And she has been published in over 17 languages. Welcome to the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James. Cindy, we're so excited to have you. I am thrilled to be here. I'm always happy to be part of what can be peaceful solutions rather than the opposite also. Yes, yeah, right, right. Because the solution doesn't have to be peaceful, but it's always a win-win when it is peaceful. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're here today, too. Now, we're talking about um, today dealing with crippling fear. And I'm going to jump right in because this is... Uh, this is a subject that I think everyone can relate to. I happened to mention to you before we went on air that I mentioned it to a women's group that I'm in association with over uh, the weekend. And boy, did they give me an earful about fear. And I really thought that the number one topic we were going to talk about was fear as it related to coronavirus and what's going on not only in our country, but in the world. But in the over our conversation spanned over an hour do you know that coronavirus did not come up once we talked about crippling fears and they were really transparent with what was going on in their lives so i know that this is a subject that a lot of people are struggling with just dealing with fear so we're going to talk about we're going to focus all on fear today you're going to get us straight on that but before we do that i wanted to say um, tell us a little bit about what you do when you talk about uh, this energy healing. Yeah, it's a energy term work. that's become more popular, but it wasn't around, you know, kind of until recently or accepted. So the root of energy healing is energy. And the understanding of energy, I think, will kind of get us there. Everything's made out of energy. I mean, Einstein said it. You, they learn it in school now. The kids are coming out of school knowing this. I didn't know it when I came out of school. But everything is made out of energy, which is just information that vibrates or moves. So everything's always vibrating. And coffee knows to be coffee because there's information in it that says coffee versus tea. So when you're doing energy healing, though, you're concerned with which type of energy you want to be working with. There's physical energy, which is measurable, like coffee is measurable. But then there's subtle energy, which is the sort of invisible stuff that we usually explain with quantum physics now. 99.999% of an object is subtle energy. So we might be looking at a cup of coffee or a soda or a donut or a dog or whatever it is, but more than 99% of what we think is concrete isn't. Yet it's deciding that something's going to be what it is. So when I'm doing energy healing, I'm trying to decipher what's happening kind of in those invisible levels, the subtle levels to cause a problem, to hold a problem into existence, to keep our feelings repressed or make us feel stuck or, uh, you know, kind of slow down actions that we want to take or create a disorder or a disease. And once we decipher that, then we have a clue about what we want to do practically or through meditation or our feeling our feelings or prayer or some other sort of maneuver that helps us change the subtle energies causing the problem. So there's a really long answer to saying we're trying to figure out what's really wrong and shift it. 
on an energetic level. And I love the yeah. fact that uh, I can't remember the the exact quote, but energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just simply changes forms. So it's always there. Everything is moving, even if it appears to be a solid, so that the molecules are so tightly packed that it looks like it's a solid and it's not moving. That's energy. So everything is always moving. And what I what I hear you say or what I feel when you were talking is that you're trying to figure out how to vibrate at the same energy le- energetic level as the answer to whatever it is right exactly. we can vibrate right we can vibrate yeah. at this at the energy level of the problem right <laughs> or we can or we can do some research and some digging and work with some clinicians or whatever and get to a level where we can vibrate at the energy energetic level of the answer and the solution of course that's where we want to be that's where we want to be that, that be. alignment and yeah Sometimes we can do that for ourselves. We can help ourselves shift. We can go, you know, I really do deserve to be happy. I mean, these problems are over. And so then if we can hold that happiness for long enough or or hold the feeling of optimism or appreciation or gratitude in the heart, that's one really fantastic and scientifically valid way to kind of bolster all parts of us and upcharge and get ourselves, you know, feeling better and literally feel, you know, being better as well. That's terrific. But sometimes it's hard to figure that out on our own. So we can, we use help. We need other people. We need a friend. We need a therapist. We need an energy healer. We need them. Well, we all need a massage therapist every so often. (laughs) (laughs) That's one really good way to both vibrate out the problem and vibrate in like a more calming attitude too. Yeah, this all sounds so just just hearing this explanation and what we need. And I think for me, as you were talking, I I just felt so soothing to be able to say openly, yes, I have needs. Right. And that vulnerability, I think and you can answer this better than uh, probably I can say it. But I think that opening up to that vulnerability is a way to also shift energies, because a lot of times we're so rigid and so closed off in a way to falsely uh, protect ourselves. But I think that just draws more energy that is more harming. Yeah, we'll just attract what we're scared of. We attract what we're angry about. We get, you know, it comes back to us Um, because we're, we're through the subtle energy, through that sort of invisible energy. We don't know it, but we're really telling the world how to treat us. And I am not blaming a victim. You don't blame victims for being victimized. I mean, there's people out there who are going to victimize somebody, and you might just be that person in the way, or you might be the child in the family that has that pattern. And through our energy field, through the fields of energy that are coming off of us, we have all those programs that say, you know, I don't feel good about myself, or I really don't deserve a raise, or... Uh, you know, I'm not worthy of being treated the right way. So if we have enough of those sort of negative energetics or charges, we're we're gonna we're not gonna be surprised when we're mistreated because that's what got loaded into our body, into our energy system, and then that's how the world's gonna respond to us. But here's the good news, of course, you shift that and you're not gonna get everybody just praising you or giving you a raise. But you're going to start to attract a higher level of treatment and opportunities that can help you rise and shine. 
Oh, I love, oh my gosh. I know we're going to fear everybody. We're going to talk about fear, but I think this is such a beautiful concept to really take in and make your own is that the world only reflects back to you that which you out picture to it. So if you're in this space of not worthy, if you're in this space of not good enough, you got to, the, the first job you have to do is on yourself is make up, you have to become a believer, if you will. That's what I'm here, a believer in your worthiness, right? And there's so many ways to do that. You know, I think um, I hear people say in the Christian community, oh, and this actually happened. I put a post up a couple of years ago and I talked about being worthy and finding your worthiness. And someone sent me a message back and said that she really was not worthy, but for the sacrifice of her savior. I'm like, that's it. Hold on to that then. <laughs> Hold on to whatever, you know, you hit your wagon to whatever star you can. And if your worthiness comes through that way, then that's where your worthiness comes in. But however you get there, you've got to get to a place where you feel that you are worthy. It's so true. And I have like three thoughts going on at once because I meet a lot of people, a lot of my clients are really stuck because they don't know how to let love in. They don't know how to believe they're worthy because they weren't raised to think that they were. And it gets to be sort of a catch-22. Unless you can let in love, you're not going to feel it and you can't let it in unless you were given it. You can't let it in. And so it often, I think, takes a walk with God. I believe it does take a relationship, like a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the one greater than all of us, because our neurological programming doesn't have worthy on it. So even if somebody treats us really well, and I went through this, you know, you probably have too. I think you have, you know, kind of in different stages in my life, somebody started to treat me well and I'm like, well, no, they've got to be faking it or I got to leave that relationship because this just makes me uncomfortable because you're not used to it. So you can't let it in. I So I believe everything kind of starts and ends with God because parents aren't going to be able to give unconditional love. No, the best of parents can't because we're human. And so there has to be a little crack somewhere where we're willing to have like a a united openness to whatever we want to call God to let that in. And then I think our defenses can crack and the programs can start to shift. Um, But, but I think we have to surrender. I mean, I, I would imagine you think the same thing. We're not going to be able to do it all by ourselves because if we haven't gotten it, we don't know how to get it. Absolutely. And I love how you said, you know, if you are this person or in this phase in your life where you don't believe you're worthy, when something shows up to contradict that, you'll shoot holes all through that. My own personal one in my youth was that, oh, some kind of way they got to be making fun of me because I know I'm not great. I know (laughs) I have evidence to the contrary, my dear. (laughs) So when someone would show up and treat me really, really well, I'm like, oh, no. That's a problem. So you really got through that and realized that. And, and for me, it was that, you know, as I mentioned, that um, person who sent me that message through social media, connecting my wagon to my faith and saying, okay, me of myself can do probably very few good things, as the word of God says, but I, it's not me that becomes 
in the flesh, it is the indwelling divine spirit of God that makes me worthy. And oh my gosh, that when you know, if you can connect through something like that, and it doesn't have to use the word God, you can use universe or whatever you want to use. What you know, we're all talking about the same thing with different titles, but. I feel that that will help you to get to this place where you can, and and I I hear you saying the same thing, that it helps you get to this place where you can uh, start to feel that worthiness within you and start to attract a higher level of energy because it is just energy. And we do have the power and the responsibility, I believe, also to flip the energy, to change it. You know, so often we change it. You know, I, I was at work today. And I, I'm conscious a lot, well, not as often as I would like to be. Sometimes I'm just working unconsciously, but and but how energy shifts. You can see when certain things happen in the atmosphere, when certain conversations happen or certain people come in, the energy shifts. And I think, and you can tell me how you feel about that, but I think it's part of my responsibility to be conscious in that space to say, I am not going to let my energy um sink down low. I'm going to maintain a certain energy and grab onto a different focal point that will help me say elevate it. Do you think that we have that possibility? I think we have the possibility. I think we have the birthright. And I think to some extent it's it's um it is our accountability to ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. And you know some of it comes down to mental discipline. <clears throat> and I know a lot of times in the energetic field that doesn't, you know, kind of ring true or that's not talked about a lot. It might be, what are your feelings? How do you feel? How do you express them? All of which is important or, you know, kind of how do you hold your place or your space and this kind of thing. But sometimes it requires mental discipline. And like, for instance, I have a client who just goes toward the negative constantly and I watch her thoughts and I make her stop as she's talking and say, see, that's where you had a pause point. You could have interrupted yourself. And instead of going, oh, but nobody's going to see me or like me or give to me, you have a choice. You don't have to go there. You can say at the very least, well, I'm open to trying this, or I'm open to meeting a new person, or I'm open to getting more creative when I'm doing the dishes so that I can get the dishes done. So it's on us. I think we can pull on our faith. I think we have to pull on our faith. And I think there's a certain amount of this we do have to be willing to help ourselves with, too. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think that speaks to, um, you know, the egoic mind to a certain uh, degree is because we love to feel like on one level that we have control, right? And then on the other level, we love to feel like everything's controlling us. So kind of we can have these pity parties, but knowing that it takes discipline is helpful because we know that we can discipline ourselves. We can, we, we, in the right situations, we hold our tongue, right? <laughs> we're, we're not in the board meeting or in certain places, you know, using whatever language and being very casual. We can hold our tongue and we can prevent certain words from coming out of our mouth. We definitely have that that uh, that type of discipline. So it's just being reminded that, hey, your words matter here, too. And what you're saying well, about you, too. Exactly. Jesus's disciples were called disciples. <laughs> I mean, which is sort of discipline. I mean, when we're following a discipline, and again, people will choose their own path, or I believe God will even help them choose the path, you know, kind of what works for them, 
whether it's to worship this way or that way or whatever it is, um, there's always a discipline involved because that's that's part of grace. I mean, let's talk about grace. I love grace. To me, grace is love in motion. It's love that makes mm-hmm. a difference. And I even use a technique with my clients that I call healing streams of grace. It's based on observations about what kind of healing Jesus did and this incredible medical doctor named J.R. Newton who could just heal people. He would look at them with love and they would heal and other healers. There's something uncanny they could connect into a, a stream of grace, a stream of love that made a difference. And they held it so completely it could transfer to a patient or a client and the client would shift. I think there was like a moment where the client could go, I am lovable. And then, bum, whatever was resisting healing energies already given to them, however they were maybe holding on to a problem, because there's different payoffs or they're just used to being what they are or, you know, whatever it is, um, it can shift. Something can shift when we allow grace in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is such a wonderful conversation. So we're talking about we're talking about how to shift energy. And of course, we know we've said the, at the top of the hour that everything is energy. Now, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about this fear. And I mentioned in the introduction that, my goodness, uh, I think fear, just like a smile, probably is a universal language. When you say I'm afraid, everybody knows what you mean, because we've all felt this fear to some degree in our life. But today we're talking about this crippling fear. And I that interests me because I, I know I have had that in my life too, where, where you just is indecisive, you can't move, you don't, you don't know what to do, you don't, you know, anywhere to turn, you're just afraid. So what is, how do we get to this place of crippling fear? Like where, where does that come from? Oh, isn't that the million-dollar question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> so there's so many sources. I mean, first, it's important to notice that there's healthy fear. So, you know, if there's a train coming at you, you'd better be scared. And not the kind that makes you freeze, the kind that makes you fly, right? Like grow those wings and get out mm-hmm. of the way of the train or scream for help or actually do something. So at baseline, we need fear because it tells us we're not safe. So when we're not safe, we're supposed to go forward, backward, or to the sides. But that's not crippling fear. This crippling stuff that freaks us out, we can't think. Some of it's certainly because of former traumas that we've gone through. So, you know, when we're a kid and something really frightening happens, we're called names, dad's drunk, um, mom screams, dad hits mom. We go through, like, huge financial crisis, and our parents don't know what to do. We get stuck there. Our inner self, like our child self, or it can be an adult self as we're older, gets stuck. Unless we're assisted, unless something or someone comes along and says, wow, it's okay now. How did that feel? History doesn't repeat itself. Let me teach you that. Literally, there's, like, these levels and ages of us all like Russian nesting dolls inside of us every single place we've gone into shock and fear and we haven't been able to be enabled or assisted out of it so I could have a million little scared parts of me inside of myself that when something happens in the environment that's like you know scare was scary when I was little maybe for real scary when I was little or as an adult 
those trigger, and that triggered self takes over the neurological system, takes over the immune system, it takes over the whole body. And now we're in the same fear we were before, guess what, with no coping mechanisms. We couldn't cope with it back then, so when that little self or that scared adult self comes up, they don't know how to cope with it. They hijack us, and there we are, not knowing how to get out of a state that's been stuck inside of us that just took us over. So that's one of the main reasons for crippling fear. There's others, but I think almost everybody can relate to that one. Oh, yeah. that That's a beautiful example of how fear gets stuck inside of us. And because, like you said, we open up these different dolls and we're kind of going in a loop. So we got this crippling fear. And of course, I love the thought that and understanding that some fear is healthy, right? We need to be <laughs> concerned about stepping in front of a moving train. That should that should spark some cortisol levels. We should be running to the hills or at least to the sidewalk uh, when the train is coming. But we don't want this prolonged fear that it that is just pervasive and and crippling, for lack of a better word. So so as I thought about our topic today, and I thought about well. How do you know if a fear is healthy other than danger? And I remember reading somewhere years and years ago that uh, anything that makes you feel small is dangerous, right? We're not to be to made to feel small and insignificant. And I was thinking about fear. Are there any fears that don't make us feel small? That is such a great comment. So let's think of it. Um, years ago, my son, had, my youngest son had a paper route. I don't know about you, but I hate paper routes. <laughs> I don't know if you ever did those with your kids. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, we'd make $9 an hour. It's maybe a six-hour task, and I sometimes even have to hire neighborhood kids to help. So we'd be paying out $12 to get the $9. All right. So one time we were, I had a dog, he had a dog. We were on opposite side of the road, so we were going to cross over. And I heard this voice that just yelled, stop him, which related to my son, Gabe. Immediately, I yelled, stop. He stopped. A car barreled around the corner and would have hit him if he had not stopped. Oh, we're going to come right back with Corey. This is Everyday Peace. We have, Gil, we have uh, Cynthia Dale as our wonderful guest. More after this break. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back to Everyday Peace and our wonderful guest today, Cindy Dale, who is the author of Energy Healing, Trauma, Stress, and Chronic Conditions, um, Energy Healing from Trauma, Stress, and Chronic Conditions. I want to make sure I get that title right for you because I know you want to get that book because we're talking about stress and 
fear and getting rid of crippling fear and being able to go on and reach your next level of greatness and switching that energy. We talked about it all just being energy. So just before the break, we were talking about uh, fear and the association with um, just that, I guess I want to say like a sixth sense. You saw that you heard, you felt, I guess, energetically that a car or some danger was coming. So go ahead and finish that story for us. Yeah, so my son and I are helping him with his paper route. I, the dog, he has a dog. We're about to cross the street and our own side of the street. And I just heard a voice saying, stop him. I yelled that. The car came barreling in front of my son, and he would have been killed or at least struck down if I hadn't heard the voice and he hadn't been stopped. And we were talking about, you know, does does healthy fear, you know, make you feel small or not? In the moment I heard the voice, I just responded. I didn't have time. I didn't feel small. I actually felt empowered. I felt like mm-hmm. I need to do something. I need to take action. I need to, you know, kind of like receive this assistance and do something. I only really felt more terrified afterwards when I was like, oh, my gosh, what could have happened? So it's sort of like we're talking about crippling fear. Crippling fear does make you feel small. It doesn't empower you. It belittles you and you feel tiny. You feel like you can't do something. And, you know, sometimes these fears are actually our ancestors' fears. There's a chemical soup around the genes called the epigenetics. And the epigenetic material actually turns our genes on and off. And part of what is coded into the epigenes, the epigenome, are 14 generations of our ancestors' memories. So are we really feeling, you know, kind of a healthy fear or if we get overwhelmed and we can't move or we can't get something done or we're scared of the pandemic or we're scared of, you know, kind of occupying our birthright or using our gifts, how much of that is our fears versus maybe our ancestors? Because they got hurt for being out there being their greater selves or the women were repressed so they couldn't be all who they were. They would have been hung or shamed or kicked out of the church. So I think anytime the fear is overwhelming, especially consistently, it's not a good fear. It's it's stopping us, not empowering us. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I've heard that before, 14 generations that we're carrying inside of us. So we get this crippling fear. We get this fear and... My goodness, if anyone has ever experienced it, I know I've, like I said, I've been there with the indecisiveness and, you know, it just wreaks havoc on the physical body. So what, how do you energetically start to work with yourself? And I, and I get, and I totally support working with someone who has the expertise to bring you out of this state um, as quickly as possible, because just one, to me, one moment spent in crippling fear is one moment of your life that you just can't get back, just totally wasted and, and torment, tormenting. So what do you, what can you do for yourself? How can you work on yourself to like, okay, I know what I'm feeling is fear, first of all, if you are even aware, of but how do you, how do you bounce out of that or crawl out of it? <laughs> Well, sometimes it's crawling. So there's short-term and long-term. So short-term, it's going to sound silly, but it really is necessary. Breathe. (laughs) Remember to breathe. I know people have been so abused as children, they hardly even breathe. They don't breathe deeply as adults. So breathe, and before you get into stress, practice breathing when you're not stressed. So when you're stressed, you can go, 
and breathe really, really deeply. You know the other thing that works? I teach this to young people because they don't, they're not going to think things through. They need something quick. Stamp your feet. Uh, I think we all have a soul. And when we're scared, sometimes the soul starts lifting up and out of our body and we start dissociating. When you stamp your feet, your soul is better able to get all the way in your body and you can grab on to help then, whether those be, you know, help, whatever you believe in, you know, God, the angels, um, guidance, people nearby. If you're more in your body, all the way down to your feet, it's easier to get help, ask for help or feel the help that might be there. The other really quick thing, this sounds so silly, but it really works. When you're overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, too much coming at me. What's going on? Oh, there's no, you know, pandemic. There's no toilet paper. What am I going to do? Whatever it is. When we're overwhelmed, I tell people to cross at least one arm over their stomach because that's a subtle energy center. That's an energy center that brings in information. It's also the home of fear. If you block that off, you're going to stop picking up on everyone else's fear. And all this overwhelm, you're going to be able to breathe better, be here, separate out from other people, and figure out what to do. Very simple. I work Again, I work with a lot of young people. They love it. They go take tests. And they put an arm over their stomach, and they don't get into chest anxiety. Wow. I, You know, now that answers a question. Years and years ago, again, I remember reading something that said to put the palm of your right hand over your navel. And uh, I always wondered, it, it, it was related to helping you to um, center yourself. And so it, it makes really good sense. It blocks out other energies from interfering. So you're not picking up, if you, especially it seems like if you're an empath, you're not picking up everybody else's stuff. Yeah. And you can and, sort of, yeah. Well, we also have a backside, right? We do all this stuff with our consciousness, which is related to the front side of our body. And our energy centers called chakras, but there's also a backside. We have a whole backside. So I frequently, if I'm going to be going into a situation that I think is going to be stressful, or if I've triggered or things are really scary, I pick like maybe the back of my heart or the back of my stomach, and I very quickly envision a beam of light. I make it a spiritual quality, or I ask God to just send a spiritual quality, whatever I need, calm peace, healing, clarity, like if I'm scared about what I'm going to say or I don't know what to say, oh, spiritual quality of clarity come in through the backside of an energy center, right, just through your backside anywhere. It'll clean you out. It'll come all the way through the backside into the front side, push your stress out, help provide healing energies to whatever's happening to you inside, and it's near instant as a way to calm or compose yourself. That's not going to heal the deeper issues, but short term, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, activity that's going to bring you, like you're saying, back into your center. Yeah, I love this. I love this. I just want to recap. We've got, and I hope our listening audience is writing this down. We're bringing you really good tips today on how to deal with crippling fear. And this is that short-term dealing. You know, you get into that space that's you feel so much anxiety. 
anxiety maybe or uh, that's how I will say distress your stomach is turning and it could be from a number of things and I love the exam because I feel like I have children who are in college and in high school they are examined I mean to their eyeballs there are so many exams and so this breathing which is so amazing we talk about breathing so much on this show because i was one of those people i smiled when you said this i was one of those people in my 20s i realized that i was a clincher so i would catch myself holding my breath and i just like what are you doing right? and, and i would you know wake myself up you know I'd be awake, but I'd just become conscious, okay, breathe, breathe. And I got into this practice of deep belly breathing on a regular basis. So when I'm not stressed, when everything seems to be going just marvelous, I still periodically will start this deep breathing process. So I encourage people that really keeps energy moving, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It just keeps you. It does. It does. And the more you practice the deep breathing when you're in joy, uh, honestly, the more you'll associate deep breathing with returning to a state of peace or calm or joy, too. Not just as a coping mechanism, but as a way to connect. It's a, it's a, the breath in so many cultures, you know, is about connection to the greater spirit. So, for instance, in Native American communities, they would often do smoking, you know, pipe or something because they considered the smoke to be a symbol of the great spirit. And so you, I'm not telling people to go smoke, but it's why people do smoke unconsciously. You know, it creates a oneness with the greater spirit. And in, um, you know, the Bible, the word for breath and spirit are frequently the same. So we're, we can we can envision ourselves or tell ourselves when we breathe, we're breathing in the spirit. We're inspiriting ourselves. And so it's a great way to move forward. You know, but if we trigger a lot, if we just can't cope, if we're stuck in that spot of loneliness or isolation, you know, A, we need to talk about what we're scared of with at least somebody else. Sometimes things need to be voiced. And it's so easy to get embarrassed about our deeper fears or tell ourselves our fears are stupid. So then we don't voice them and we can't work them through. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I never talked about what I was scared of because I told myself they were stupid fears. So I'm sure I still do that as an adult. Like, oh, I'm sort of scared to go to that interview. You know, what if I really blow it? Well, we when we talk about this, we're not reinvigorating the fear. We're not going to make it happen. We're bringing the fear to the light. We're saying, maybe this did happen one time, but does it need to happen again? Or we're allowing somebody to be with us in the fear so we can examine it. We can get rational about it to see what's really real and what's not. Um, Because a lot of times with fears, there's a nugget that could be real, but how much, it's like wisp, it's like dandelion mist. There's probably that, not that much that's real, and we've blown it out of proportion because of our triggers or because of our training. Yeah, I always say, you know, my, my desire is to cast out all my fears, real and imagined, right? And most of them, I think, are imagined because we get into the space of the what ifs in life. And that was one of the conversations I had with this women's group this weekend was that there were so many what ifs 
right? And people getting into a space where they can't pretty much judge the what if, which is about the future, based on all of the past disappointments. And so then you believe, oh, I have, I have proof positive, a term that I love to use, I have proof positive that this is most likely going to go wrong for me when I look at all the year's history. And we sort of don't want to be in that space because to me, that just creates more crippling fear. It's like um, fighting for our, fighting to maintain our fears, if you will, making a good sound argument that yes, I should be fearful and this is why. So how do we get out of that space? You know, yes, I should be fearful and I have all the evidence that points to it's going to go wrong. Well, I tell my sons uh, a fact constantly because it's true that history never repeats itself. If you think about it, I mean, even now as I'm talking with you, I could say now that I'm talking with you, I could keep repeating the same sentence, but it's not the same sentence. Because I'm different, I'm breathing different, my body is perspiring or not perspiring, I'm moving my hand differently. History never repeats. So that can become a mantra for people. I think that's so important. Even though we study history so we don't repeat it, it doesn't repeat. There are similarities. There can be 99% similarities but not complete. Um, The other thing is energetic. This is where I like working with subtle energy and working energetically, period, that that when we're in the core of our body, like our soul, our inner self, our identification is in the very center of our body, like in our spine, in the middle of our legs, in alignment. All right, the Hopis talk about that, that we want to be connected to the divine in alignment, like our blueprint is connected to God's blueprint. Um, When we're in alignment, we're not going to go back toward depressive or anxiety tendencies, uh, because anxiety from an energy point of view occurs when that when part of our soul is too far in front of us. The front of the body has to do with the future. The back of the body has to do with the past. If we're in the present, we're going to be okay, because we're just going to let the future come, and we're going to deal with the past if it does come up. We'll just deal with it. But if our soul's kind of forward trying to scan what could happen, you know darn well that from a psychic point of view, it's going to be reading all these potentially horrid possibilities of which there are near limited, unlimited ones. But they're not going to happen. They're not probabilities. And if we're stuck in the back, too far in the back of our energy body, we're going to be constantly replaying what happened. So history doesn't repeat. The future is not here. We still have decision-making power. When you breathe, breathe into the into the middle of your body and try to hold yourself there. Just just putting your shoulders back, right? Like holding your shoulders like that military pose is going to keep you aligned with the here and now and with God. Oh, I love it. I love it. Just when you said that, I put my shoulders back and I did feel the difference. So this this phrase, and I hope our audience can adopt this phrase, history never repeats itself. And that is so true. And when you said that, I drew this link in my mind, almost like a visual between this crack, uh, you know, just this little, all you need is a little bit of difference because you also are a little bit wiser than what you were two minutes ago. You have to be right. And so when even if you look like you're facing a situation that 
oh, this looks similar that, to what it was. It's not identical, which means that there, there is a change in it. Also, there's a change in you. You're a bit wiser. So there's no way that you could conclusively say, I'm going to have the same negative outcome that I had last time. No, not if you open yourself up to energetically be present in the moment. Yes, and think about when most of our traumas occurred, we were little. Of course, we didn't know how to cope. Of course, we didn't have the right words to say or any words to say. And of course, we were powerless because we were. There's no guilt for having been around violence or being abused. We were around that. It wasn't our responsibility, and we weren't supposed to cope with it. Now we're older. We're not two. We're not four. We're not ten. And even though those parts of us might still be, you know, cognitive or exist within us, we aren't that age anymore. We are wiser. We have learned. And we can just remind ourselves of that every so often. Yeah, I think this is just really great tips that we're giving out to people and that, you know, one of the things that I came to realize as when I became an adult and as I continued to study different things is that I couldn't use the same coping mechanisms and survival mechanisms that I used when I was 10 and 13. And I did have to use them then to get through thir- certain things in my life. But as I grew, I realized, well, mm, that that really worked for a 13 year old. Not so much for for an adult woman. So I have to be willing to say, let me try some different things. And I think breathing to remain conscious. Now, I had not heard of stomping the feet, stamping the feet. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to try that one because at the very least it will, it will jolt you back to the present moment. Yes. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, go to the bathroom and do it, you know, so nobody knows you're doing it, you know, kind of do whatever you need to do. So I can, you can just wiggle your feet if you're sitting in a meeting and you look fairly silly, stomping, stomping, wiggle your feet, remember your toes, get connected in, Uh, you know, kind of breathe and open. One really cool exercise that's illuminating is most of us, when we're in fear, it's the same as when we cross our hands, our arms, and and our feet, and we, you know, we, we don't have hands out there for people to hold. So if you can also think, I mean, keep one arm over your gut if you're really needing to shut down, but if you can also think, oh my gosh, I'm in crisis, I'm going to open for help. I'm going to feel like I'm expanding my shoulders and my arms and my hands are there for somebody to grab to guide me through it's far easier to be given help if you're open to be given help also oh that makes such great sense is to create the physical presence so you can receive help so you can receive help from this is wonderful okay so we talked about this is when you have this um short-term crippling fear that you're dealing with. And I realize that we've got some tips that will help us to deal with that. I also want to say from my own perspective that I know that talking with someone, working with a coach or getting with someone who can partner with you to help you pull you help pull you through this because it is a discipline. There are some things that you're going to want to become disciplined with in your language and in your body posture. We're hearing about that today too. But um, what's some things that we can do if you got some long-term crippling fear that's in there, that's embedded in there. And I want to say this, sometimes I have found with working with people that 
it looks like a new fear that they're talking about, but when we really start working through the process, this is something that is attacked. It's a new fear. It's an old fear, excuse me, masquerading as a new fear. It's like, oh, this is still fear from way back then. It's just masquerading as something new. So sometimes those fears that appear to be like, oh, this is a new fear, it really isn't. And that's been my experience. How about you? Mine too. Most of my fears yeah. are old fears. And they just, yeah. oh. you know what? I tackle them, they get clear, and then one comes back up again. So one of the things is to be gentle with the self, befriend your scared self. Don't shame yourself because there was something or a series of something that was scary, and that's why the fear is triggering. So we, we can never shame ourselves. Neither should we shame ourselves, I think, for our coping mechanisms. You know, my tendency when I was growing up, if I got scared, I would just eat sugar cookies. Pretty much anything with sugar. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sugar makes you feel yes. happier, calmer, chocolatey, you yes. know, good too, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so that's a coping mechanism. It it was a simple way to think I was meeting a need when my parents weren't able to help me or meet the need. So I also watch for my coping mechanisms. Like if I want to go to the store, I don't really keep sugar in the house. So, But if I want to go to the store and buy those Oreos or whatever, I sit down and I go, oh, there's a part of me that's really scared or there's a part of me that's, you know, going through something. So I'm not going to give myself the sugar because I want to meet the real need. I'll sit there. I'll, I'll give myself 24 hours for that part of me to speak to myself or for me to get signs or insights in a dream that will help me understand what the real need is that the sugar was a substitute for. So if we can give ourselves a mu- enough time to stay in the uncomfortability and not use the old coping mechanisms, guess what? Then it, it'll rise to the surface. And if we don't shame that part of us or ourselves, we're going to figure out there was a need that wasn't met. Pretty much any time we have a stuck feeling that comes up, fear, anger, sadness, or whatever, it's because there was a need that wasn't met. So I like to ask, what's the need, and how am I going to meet it in a good way right now? You know, now that sounds so simplistic, but it is, it's almost like it's a word award worthy, because that is so true. Oftentimes we have, and I'll speak for myself, and I know a lot of listeners are dealing with this too, you'll have this thing that comes up like a craving, right? And as I have started becoming more in tune with myself throughout my journey, I realized that that, you know, the young child, you know, doing this child's work, needing this pacifier, if you will, to help deal with something. And then simply asking or saying, you know what, I'm here, what's going on? And directing that to yourself. I love you. You're safe. What do you need? Because really you don't need. And for me, it was potato chips. My goodness gracious. (laughs) How do you say love? Well, (laughs) you could say potato chips. (laughs) But um, so we just realize that something inside of you is craving some attention that the child and you're craving. And it's not really the potato chips, but that's been a substitute you've been speaking of myself, have been using for years. And so it'll, it'll do, but really the attention to self because you're worth it. And it really will reveal a lot to you. I love how you say it'll show up in a dream. It'll show up in, you know, uh, 
just the most bizarre ways the universe does support you and wants to support you, but we've got to be conscious, we've got to become aware, and we've got to become important to ourselves because a lot of times everything else is important isn't it the job is important the spouse the children everything else is important but if you don't put that time and attention on yourself you'll be less uh, able to take care of those that you love that's so very important don't you think it is, and that that certainly applies to most women, but men too, because over the decades, men have picked up, you know, certainly they were usually traditionally always going to work, but now women do that, but men are taking, you know, more care of their 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 families now and the children and they have more responsibilities as caretakers. So I think we're all in the same boat. Like, I just see everybody, even kids going, what about me? <laughs> I mean... Kids are driven crazy, piano lessons and baseball and basketball and this and this. So that quiet time, that internal time, that what about me, like, and have your secret. You know, eat your potato chips once in a while, for goodness sake, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. I can have sugar every so often. I watch Grey's Anatomy reruns. Like, that's my thing. I'll sit down if I'm, like, tired, and I'm like, I'm just going to watch Grey Anatomy reruns. And is that... You know, am I meditating? No, I'm not. Am I, you know, am I being spiritual? No, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy reruns. That's what I'm doing because it helps me tune out. I feel like they're my friends. I'm renewed. So find your thing that you don't need to feel guilty for doing, too. Right, yeah. And that's you know what I call myself soothing, too. You know, I find in the, the little ways to to take care of myself oh my goodness we're at the top of the hour we could do this all day this has been a fabulous show i want to thank cindy for being here and thank you for being an everyday peacemaker Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.